Next week, Lord willing, I'm going to be starting a brand new series called Redeeming Ruth. Uh, do a little verse by verse out of the book of Ruth. And I've been inspired to teach by several teachers and several mentors on that book. It's a tremendous book on redemption. And so uh, be here next week. Spread the word a little bit. Unless the Lord changes me or whatever, we're going to head in that direction. Almost tempted to go there tonight, but I don't feel quite ready yet and studied up well enough to go ahead and do that. So let's pray and just get into the word for tonight. Father, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your mercy. So, Lord, we look to you tonight to help, to minister the word of the Lord. We thank you, Father, for freedom of utterance. We thank you, Lord God, that your people are here tonight to receive with meekness your word. And, Lord, it'll change them. And we give you glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to talk to you tonight about moving beyond hindrances. You know, the Apostle Paul himself was hindered, you know, and in 1 Thessalonians 2.18, the scripture says, Therefore, we wanted to come to you, even all, even I, Paul says, time and again, but Satan has hindered us or hindered me. Now, the word hinder, they means to be cut in on by someone or to impede one's course by cutting off his way. It means to detain. It means to thwart or to stop or to hinder by placing an obstacle in one's pathway. Now, I don't believe for one moment that Satan or any of his demons are behind every problem that happens. You know, some things that we face just are are a result of just living in a fallen world. Now, we all face difficult times. The psalmist said, many are the afflictions of the righteous, Could you repeat the rest of it with me? But the Lord delivers them out of them all. Jesus said in the world, you're going to have some trouble, but be a good cheer. Cheer up. Get happy. Why, Jesus? Because, finish it with me, I have overcome the world. Well, he has overcome the world, and he has placed on the inside of us world overcoming faith. And that, of course, is in 1 John 5, 4, which says this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. I love what one translation says about 1 John 5, 4. It says, this is the victory. This is the power that brings the world to its knees. Hallelujah. So we understand here tonight, as we talk about some of these things, that Satan is not omniscient. He's not omnipresent, and he certainly isn't all-powerful. And so we should not in any way, fashion, or form ever give him undue uh, credit or attention. Our focus is on the master. You know, and there's, there's a couple of extremes that people go through in life. Uh, number one, to be obsessed with the enemy. Or number two, to be oblivious of him. Okay? You know, I'd like to think that in my life I'd never face a hindrance. I'd like to think, and we probably would all like to think, because we're born again, we're immune from any kind of circumstance or attack of the enemy. But we know that's just not so. You know, a lady came to a a man of God many years ago and said, pray that I'll never have any more problems with the devil. And the man said, do you want me to pray that you'll die? Because he really understood that the only time this woman would have no more problems is when she was on her way or in heaven. Amen. Now, Paul 
was not victorious uh, because he never faced hindrances. He wasn't victorious because he always had great circumstances. No, Paul faced a lot of stuff. You and I will face a lot of stuff in this world. One of the reasons why Paul was victorious is he decided to move forward in spite of hindrances. Amen. He fought through them. We're talking about the Apostle Paul, the one that, you know, was beaten, the one that was, was just absolutely stoned, and the one that was in fastings often and weariness and all of these things that he faced. Yet he didn't get bitter. He got better. The guy was in prison and he said, rejoice in the Lord always." And again, I say rejoice. That is a man of God. The man of God said this, look, in all, what shall we say to these things? How many of you know there's some things that we need to say something to? I'll tell you what we're going to say. We're going to say, hey, if God be for us, who can be against us? I tell you, nothing's going to separate you and me from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And in Him and through Him, we're more than conquerors. Glory to God. Glory to God. Why? We're more than conquerors through Him that loved us. Amen. Now, storms or difficulties that we face does not mean that God doesn't love you. Or that God has taken His hand off you. Or that God is angry with you. Please, brothers and sisters, do not personalize your storms. Use storms, then, as an opportunity to draw nigh to God. In Isaiah 6, verse 6, it says, And there shall be a tabernacle for the shadow, for a shadow in the daytime from the heat, and a place for refuge. And he'll be a covert from the storm and from rain. Oh, hallelujah. How many of you know that being in the presence of God gives you an entirely different perspective? Oh, thank you, Lord. Being able to go to the throne of grace and start seeing things from his vantage point. See, in the presence of God, you and I can rise above the problems. In the presence of God, you and I can hear from God. In the presence of God, it, it, it has the ability and does this for us as we yield to Him. It brings our emotions under control. You know, your, your emotions are up and down. But oh, thank God, in His presence, there's stability. In His presence, there's joy. In His presence, there's direction. Now, when a storm comes to your life, just know this. You have the ability to endure and to overcome. Look with me at Psalm 41 and verse 11 tonight. Just want to encourage you with a few thoughts tonight from the Word of the Lord. Amen. When life gets rough, recognize that God has not changed His mind about you. Recognize that God's favor is still working for you. In Psalm 41 verse 11, he says, by this I know that you favor me. Why? Because my enemy does not triumph over me. The enemy doesn't triumph over us. We triumph over the enemy. And that's something to be thankful about. Paul said, thanks be to God, which always causes us to do what? 
I'm looking at the triumphant church tonight. I'm looking at the church victorious. The church that's been raised up together and made to sit together with Him in heavenly places. Oh, glory to God. So, don't get offended with God. Don't get mad at God. He's not the problem. He's not against you. He's for you. And then refuse to allow your emotions to move you. Be convinced of this fact that God's word is true. The enemy will not win this victory. It's difficult. It's tough. But by the grace of God, I'm going to go to the other side. I am going to make it. I'm not going to fall into the trap of depression or oppression. And poor old me, I'm going to rise up above that in Christ Jesus. Tough times become testimonies. And what happens when you get a victory? Encourage others with it. Share your victory. We overcome by the blood of Jesus Christ and by the word of our testimony. You have no idea how it can minister to a person that is in the midst of a terrible, tragic situation for you to share what you went through and how God brought you through and not only brought you through, but he will bring them through. Amen? Glory to God. So use them as a vehicle, if you will, to draw closer to God. Now, there's three storms in Scripture we're going to look at tonight. And one was Jonah. So um, I, want to, I don't want to talk much about that. But how many of you know that God told Jonah to go to Nineveh? And what did Jonah do? He headed to Tarshish. And so the storm in Jonah's life came in the midst of his disobedience. See, he was, he was running away from God's will. Now, none of you have ever done that. Thank you. God bless you. <laughs> and we know there was a fish prepared for Jonah, you know, and... Uh, he was down there in the belly. You know, some people think it was a well. The Bible said it was a great fish. It was a big one. He's down there in a stinky place. You know, sometimes we think we know the right way and the right thing to do, but the ends thereof are the ways of death. And so down there in the belly of the great fish, what does he start doing? He starts repenting. <laughs> he starts crying out for the mercy of God. Hey, good thing to do. What does repent mean? Repent means to turn around and go the other way. So before Moses or before Jonah could, you know, be delivered, he had to do some repenting. How many of you know that sometime your healing, your prosperity, your debt freedom, or whatever you're believing God for is spelled R E P E N T? <laughs> so. This kind of storm is, is really easy to understand uh, because sometimes we've been a little overly proficient in it than we should. But not every storm is a Jonah storm. You know, there's been a tendency among some Christians to, to assume that, oh man, this person is facing a hindrance. This person is facing a difficult time and negative circumstances. There must be sin in their life. Or they must be out of the will of God. 
Or how about this? We're real good at this. Oh, the, where's their faith? You know, they, they must just lack faith. Let's make it a little bit more personal. Is that okay? If we're facing hindrances, challenges, and obstacles, do we begin to, to believe that? Because that's Satan's lie. Do we begin to believe, well, there must be some sort of hidden sin in my life. Listen, I don't believe there's such a thing as hidden sin that we don't know about. <laughs> hey, come on. The Holy Ghost will shed the light on the dark areas of our lives so we can make it right. Or, you know, oh, man, things are going bad because after all, I must be out of the will of God. That lie has come to me if it's come once and come a million times. You're not in the will of God. See, lies like that are trying to get me out of the will of God. See, don't take Satan's bait. He is a tricky, subtle sort of fella. And normally what he tells you, the exact opposite is true. Preacher a long time ago called it the law of reciprocals. A reciprocal is the exact opposite. South is the reciprocal of north. East is the reciprocal of west. Fear is the reciprocal of faith. So what that means on the other end of what Satan is telling you is always the truth. God's word. Hey, we need to learn the truth and tell ourselves the truth when the lies come to our soul. Well, you're no good. You'll never be anything. Well, the Bible says you're accepted in the beloved. The Bible says you have right standing with God. You can stand in his presence like sin never existed before. You're not going to make it. You'll never make it. Hey, I know the way maker. The way maker lives on the inside of me. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. Every lie he tells you, look for the truth. Oh, glory to God. Hallelujah. So, Number one, Jonah got into his storm because of what? Need a little help in the amen alley tonight. Jonah got into trouble because of his what? And he got out of his storm by repenting and consecrating to what? To the will of God. You know, God can turn things around just like that for you. He can turn things around just like that. How fast did he turn the prodigal son's life around? Ooh, glory to God. When he came to himself, he headed home. And guess who was there with open arms waiting for him? Running toward him. That's the kind of God we serve. Now turn over to Mark chapter 5, if you would. And let's look at verses 35 through 41. The next storm is, is uh, not Jonah's storm, but we could call it the disciples' storm. Okay? Now, these guys are not in disobedience. These guys are obeying, and they're in smack dab in the center of God's will. Now, let's look at verses 35 through 41, and I want you to read with me, because this is Bible study. Amen? Are you all ready? It says, while he yet spake, go ahead, read, there came from the ruler of the synagogue's house certain which said, thy daughter is dead, why trouble the master any further? Verse 36. And as soon as he heard the word that was spoken, he said unto the ruler of the synagogue, Be not afraid, only believe. And you know, these are great scriptures, awesome scriptures, but they're the wrong ones. So turn back to Mark chapter 4, verse 35 through 41. Hallelujah! 
Fear not. Believe only. That's the message for the night. <laughs> Amen. I got myself there. Mark chapter 4, verse 35. Will you still read with me? I guarantee you these are the right ones. All right, let's go. And the same day, when the evening was come, he said unto them, Let us pass over to the other side. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship. And there were also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. Just stop right there. Great storm. Everyone say great storm. The word great there means mega. It means a storm with bad intentions. Okay? Verse uh, uh, 38. Go ahead. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they woke him up and said unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? Verse 39. And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. For every mega storm, God's got a mega calm. That's what Brother Savell taught many years ago. Say it with me. For every mega storm, God's got a mega calm. You know what that means? That our God is greater than the storms of life that we face. Hey, you're in the right ship. You're in the right family. Jesus is the captain of our salvation. He says you're going to the other side. And no matter what comes our way, hell or high water, the Prince of Peace lives on the inside. And he'll rise up in you and declare the word of the Lord. Amen. All right. Got to preach a little bit. Verse 40. And he said unto them, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And look at verse 41. And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, what manner of man is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Okay. Now, Jesus did not stop and ask which of the disciples were in sin. No. The fact that the storm came was not an issue to Jesus. How they reacted to the storm was an issue. Now listen to this statement. The presence of a storm was no indicator of a lack of faith in the disciples. However, their reaction gave indication as to where their faith was at that moment. How many of you know you can be strong in faith one day and the next day be shaken? Or maybe put it a little bit clearer. You can be strong in faith in the area of divine healing. I mean, it seems like when the flu knocks on your door, all you got to do is say in the name of Jesus and every symptom falls. But maybe not so in your finances. Or maybe not so in your marriage. And so this shook the disciples. See, Jesus had just taught them some important principles. How many of you know the parable of the sower sows the word? The Bible says that Satan, he comes next week. He, he'll, he'll wait around to June or July. 
Let's look at, at Mark chapter 4, verses 14 through 19. We've got some time. Now look at this. The sower sows the word. And these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. When they hear Satan comes, now notice the term, immediately. And takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. These likewise are the ones sown on stony ground, who when they hear the word, immediately receive it with what? I mean, they're glad about it. But because they have no root in themselves, they only endure for a time. Afterward, when tribulation or persecution arises for what? What's the enemy coming after? The enemy is coming after the word. He does not want the word to be rooted in you. That is why oftentimes he will hit the hardest when you just receive a fresh insight or a fresh revelation. Because if that word ever gets rooted in you, come on, it will start manifesting and bringing forth fruit to you and through you. And he doesn't like that. And so he comes immediately. Beloved, don't think it's strange concerning some of the things that you're facing. And so... In verse 18, now these are the ones which are sown among thorns. These are the ones who hear the word. Now, did you notice they're all hearing the same thing? Question, what are they hearing? Okay, so the parable of the sower is about what? It's about the word. And they're hearing the word. But notice this next group. And the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches... And the desires are lust for other things entering in and choke the word and so that it becomes what? Unfruitful. There were some Rhema students, you know, and uh, they were talking about and they said, you know, I went to the I went to the class on healing and I got sick. I, I went to the class on divine prosperity and went broke. I went to the class on fasting and intercession and gained 10 pounds. So the disciples got into their storm in the midst of perfect obedience. They were in the boat with Jesus. Jesus said, we're going to the other side. Amen. And they got through that storm. Why? Because there was someone in that boat that had the audacity to stand up. Listen, friends, when God gives you a word and it becomes rooted in your life. Prepare to fight. The fight is on. It's on, bro. It's on, sister. But we can fight the good fight of faith. Someone in the boat of your life has got to stand up. Somebody in the household has got to stand up. Someone doing the bills has got to stand up. Someone in the boat of your life got to stand up, and it better be you. Stand up with authority. Just get this kind of attitude. I'm just flat. I ain't going to take it no more. That's it. It's on, devil. Get your spiritual dukes up. Get your sword sharp. Get rooted and grounded in the word of the Lord. And just start speaking forth. 
faith-filled words, and they will dominate the laws of sin and death. That's what Jesus did. And that's what you can do. Yeah, but that was Jesus. Well, who do you think you are in him? You're not Jesus, but you're joined to the Lord. And you're one spirit with him. And he said, whoever shall say to this mountain. Facing any mountains? Facing any difficulties? Notice he said, whosoever shall say to this mountain. Be removed. Be cast into the sea. And that will obey you. That is good good truth right there. Somebody in your house going to stand up? Amen. Seems like something should be said. (laughs) Seems like some authority should be taken. Now quickly go over to Acts chapter 27. We're going to spend a little time in, in prayer tonight. You know, the Bible says pray for one another. Pray for one another that you, you could be touched, that you can be healed by God's power. Now this is Paul, the apostle Paul. Look at Acts the 27th chapter. Paul was in a ship. He was on his way to Rome. And Paul's storm that he faced was completely different than the other two. The first Jonah got into the storm because of his what? He got out of the storm because of what? His repentance. The second storm the disciples got in came as a result of Satan trying to steal the... And they got out of the storm because someone stood up. His name is Jesus. And he lives on the inside of you. But this storm's different than the other two. Paul got into this storm because of the disobedience of others. Anybody ever been there? Others can bring storms into your life. A rebellious mate, a rebellious daughter, a rebellious son. Come on, let's be honest about it. Those aren't good days when you're looking at your watch, wondering what time they're going to get home. So we see then in Acts chapter 27, a a, a picture here. Look, let's work with this for just a bit tonight. Thank you, Lord. Let's praise him for a moment. Oh, hallelujah. Let's stir ourselves up real strong. Thank you, Lord. Glory, glory, glory. Thank you, Lord. Notice in Acts 27, verse 1, And when it was determined that we should sail into Italy, they're going to go on a Mediterranean cruise. (laughs) Sounds good, doesn't it, right about now? Anybody want to go? You know, Tony Cook does Mediterranean cruises. He does uh, in the footsteps of Timothy and the footsteps of Paul. He goes to Ephesus and Turkey and all over the place. Anyway. And entering into a certain ship, and I can't pronounce it, so let me try. Adramatium. We launched. Meaning to sail by the coasts of Asia and all these other places. And the next day we touched at Sidon and Julius courteously entreated Paul and gave him liberty to go unto his friends to refresh himself. 
And when we had launched from thence, we sailed under Cyprus because the winds were what? The winds were contrary. Okay. And when we sailed over the sea of Cilicia and Pamphylia, we came to Myra, a city of Lycia. And there the centurion found a ship of Alexandria sailing into Italy. And he put us therein. So here's the cruise. And when we had sailed slowly many days, and scarce were come over Sindus and Winnot, suffering us, we sailed unto Crete against Salmon, and hardly passed it, and came into a place which is called the Fair Havens, nigh whereunto was the city of Lycia. Now when much time was spent, everyone say much time. Seems like a lot of time was spent on those verses, but it's the word. It's still the word. Say it's the word. God's word doesn't return void. You try it sometime. You start talking in tongues, shalomahai, trying to pronounce some of those. Anyway. All right. Thank you, dear. My biggest fan is on the front row right there. Boy, I tell you what, what a great helpmeet she is. Amen. Now, when much time was spent, and when sailing was now what? Okay, are they in a storm? Absolutely in a storm. It was dangerous. Okay? Because the fast was already passed, Paul starts admonishing them. He starts talking to them. And he said unto them, sirs, remember, he's a, he's a prisoner, so he's being respectful. He says, sirs, I perceive that this voyage will be with much hurt and much damage, not only of the lading of the ship, but also of our lives. I want you to notice the word perceive. Everyone say perceive. How did Paul know that? Paul had a perception. Paul had a knowing. Paul had a witness. He knew down in his knower that some tough sailing was ahead. He said, I'm perceiving this voyage will be with much hurt, much damage. Not only of the lading of the ship, but also of our lives. He's warning them. Nevertheless, the centurion believed the master and the owner of the ship more than those things which were spoken by Paul. Don't walk in the counsel of the ungodly. But if the person's ungodly, they're going to go to ungodly people. So they were just doing what they thought was best. But Paul had a knowing. And Paul was going to be on that ship. Amen. And in verse 12, because the haven was not commodious. Or because the harbor, the Amplified says, was not well situated and it was not suitable to winter in. Okay? The more part advised to depart thence also, if by any means they might attain unto Phoenice and there to winter, which is a haven of Crete and lieth toward the southwest and the northwest. And when the south winds blew softly. 
The south winds blew softly. In other words, everything looked good. Everything seemed good. But how many of you know everything wasn't good? But the south winds blew softly. We cannot afford to be moved by the weather. Are you understanding me? Or by how things look. The Bible says the south wind blew softly. Supposing that they had obtained their purpose, looking as they sailed close by Crete. But not long after there arose against it a tempestuous wind. And what was it called? Everyone say, Eurekladon. That's a bad dude right there. It's like hurricane proportions. It's big time. It blew. It shook their ship. And when the ship was caught and could not bear up into the wind, we just let her drive. So long story short, a storm came up. And it battered the boat. And it kept battering the boat. And it seemed like an eternity. I talked to a good friend of mine today that we're going to be going down to his uh, minister's conference here in a, in a week or two. And, uh, you know, we're going we're gonna to bless a man of God that's in his high 70s. And just we're going to sow a great seed to him. And, and, uh, but he was just talking about how he says we just all have been getting hammered. The churches have been getting hammered. The ministries have been getting hammered. I'm telling you what, there's a storm on in the nation. And it's not just impacting this church, but it's impacted many ministries and and many churches. It's like a, a hammering. But you know what? Greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. And by the grace of God, we made it another year. And by the grace of God, we'll make it another year. But the Eurekladonic spirit is out there. But the spirit of God is rising up. I said the spirit of God is rising up. And there's, set, there's a standard being raised against that turkey. He will be sorry. So sorry. For what he's trying to do. Say this with me. No weapon formed against me. My church. My life. My family, it'll never prosper. Come on, shout about that. Woo, glory. Now, in this situation, Paul didn't stand up and rebuke the storm, did he? He didn't. God did come through. But in this case, this deliverance seemed to take more of a process than just a event like that. How many of you know, come on, let's be honest. I mean, tonight on the way home, if I want to drive through and get a breakthrough for my belly, I can go get one. We live in a drive-through breakthrough society. But what did Paul do? Paul kept himself in a position to hear from God. Now listen, this is so, I'm going to read a little bit more and we're going to get back to that in just a minute. Are you getting anything out of this tonight? Everyone say Jesus. 
In verse 15, when the ship was caught and couldn't bear up into the wind, we just let her drive. And running into a certain island, which is called Clotta, we had much work to come by the boat, which wind they had taken up. They used helps undergirding the ship and fearing lest they should fall into the quicksand, strike sail, and so were driven. They were doing what they could do, right? Sometimes in life, you got to do what you got to do. You got to do what you got to do. And notice, and when they had taken up, they used helps undergirding the ship and fearing lest they should fall into the quicksands, strike sail, and were driven. And we being exceedingly tossed with tempest the next day, they lightened the ship. They threw a bunch of stuff overboard. And the third day we cast out with our own hands the tackling of the ship. And when neither sun nor stars in many days appeared. Everyone say many days. I'm telling you, sometimes it'll seem like it's getting worse before it gets better. And sometimes it does get worse before it gets better. And in those times, you got to hold fast. I said you got to hold fast. And you hold on. And you rely on the grace of Almighty God. Thank you. I feel a thank you coming on. I said I feel a thank you coming on. Whoo, glory to God. One morning I was laying in bed and this black preacher from Brooklyn, New York, about 85 years old, Holy Ghost filled Pentecostal preacher started preaching. He started jerking. He started saying, thank you. Glory to God. And I just got up out of the bed and started doing a Holy Ghost dance. Well, that's what I'm feeling tonight. I'm feeling a Holy Ghost. Thank you. Coming on. <laughs> Woo. Thank you. And the third day we cast out with our own hands the tackling of the ship. Neither sun many days appeared. All, all hope that we should be saved was taken away. That's a dark day when all hope has been taken away. But after long abstinence, this is a process. Paul stood up. Where did we see that? Someone needs to stand up. It seems like to me that something ought to be said. It doesn't seem like last rites ought to be given here. The priest should not be called. <laughs> Someone <laughs> needs to stand up. And who's better to stand up than a covenant man or a covenant woman? Paul stood forth in the midst of them and said, now, look, I told you so. <laughs> you should have hearkened unto me. And you should not have loosed from Crete to have, have gained this loss and harm. But now I exhort you. Everyone say those next four words. Be of good cheer. You know, being of good cheer is the opposite of being full of fear. Say it again. Be of good cheer. Why, Paul? Well, because thus saith the Lord, there shall be no loss of any man's life among you, but of the ship. For there stood by me this night the angel of God whose I am and whom I serve, saying, Paul, fear not. 
thou must be brought before Caesar. And not only don't you be afraid, Paul, I'm giving you everyone that sails with you. <laughs> Ooh, glory to God. Then Paul goes into overdrive. He says, boys, you should have listened to me. You didn't listen to me. But tonight the angel of the Lord showed up. And he told me not to be afraid. And he puts it into overdrive. And he says, wherefore, sirs, be a good cheer. For I believe God. Do you believe him? Say that three times. I believe God. Two more times. I believe God. One more. I believe God. What do you believe, Paul? I believe God that it shall be even as it was told me. Now, concluding thoughts for tonight, and that is this. Paul kept himself in position to hear from heaven, did he not? And here's a very key point. He didn't get offended at God. He didn't cry. He was not a whining baby. So, oh, God, why have you done this to me? Why, why, why? No. He didn't get offended. He didn't cry. He didn't get angry. He could have lost his hope. He could have given up. He could have gotten resentful against the people who put him in that position. Come on, somebody. The fact of the matter is, is he got into that storm because of the disobedience of others. But listen to this. He got out of the storm by his perseverance and his faith in God. And my Bible says there's no temptation. Taking you such as is common to man, but God is faithful. He'll not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but will also with the temptation. He always provides a way out. How many of you know that our attitude can be a challenge when we're facing a situation because of someone else's stupidity? I've been there. I've done that. And it has affected my life. But I've chosen not to get bitter I've chosen to got better. And I'm better today. How many of you heard of Viktor Frankl, a survivor of the Nazi concentration camp? He said, everything can be taken from a man, but one thing. The last human freedoms to choose one's ad attitude in any given set of circumstances to choose one's way. We got a choice. We have got a choice. So the greatest battles sometimes that we face aren't outward storms, but the inward ones. How many of you know that all great wars are fought within oftentimes our own lives? If you can conquer the inward storms, the external storms will never, ever defeat you. Amen. Here's what we need to know in closing. Jonah overcame his storm, his hindrance, and he got out of Nineveh. The disciples overcame their storm, their hindrance, and they got to the other side. And Paul overcame his storm, his hindrance, and he made it to Rome. And my prayer for you is that you'll make it to Rome too. That you'll make it to the other side. 
And that if you're in the belly of the great fish tonight, my prayer is that you'll cry out for the mercy of God. Who in this place tonight would say, Pastor Mark, I am facing a storm and I want the prayers of the saints. Just stand up on your feet right now. We're going to believe God. We're going to trust God together. Amen. Glory to God. We're going to ask you to come to the front right now and let's pray. The Bible says pray for one another. Let's act upon the word of God. Let's pray that God will strengthen them, give them wisdom. Just make your way to the front. If you want to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, just make your way to the front right now. If you want to get filled with the Holy Spirit, with the